Welcome to episode 35 of the Two Indie Authors podcast with me, Robert Enright. And me, David B. Lyons. On today's show, Rob and I will be discussing the single most important tool in your indie author career, your Amazon sales page. And that's going to be as our main mm. talking point. Our mailbag question this week has arrived from friend of the show, Dylan Jones, who tests the two indie authors on a new rule created by Amazon over the past fortnight. And then to see off the show in style, we have a cracking guest, Rob. It's non-fiction author, Dr. Joe Lukens, who will be joining us all the way from Australia to face our seven questions. So another jam-packed show, Rob. Um, But Mm -hmm. of course, we always begin by discussing how our author careers have gone since we last spoke seven days ago. So what have you been up to since um, podcast 34? Uh, it's been a jam-packed week, um, but a week of writing, really. I'm sure. just, I'm, I'm in that zone now. I'm mm-hmm. in that zone. Um, I think I did about thirteen, fourteen thousand words since last. Great. So I've, I've been sitting down and I've been focused, which has been really good. Um, I had a lovely weekend. It was, it was um, my incredible wife Sophie. It was her birthday, so Happy we birthday, had a Sophie. family barbecue. Thank you. Um, she's, you know, worried about age now, even though she's in her early thirties. Um, <laughs> but she, we had a lovely family barbecue. We went out to a nice national trust. We went out for dinner, all the usual stuff. So it's just been a very pleasant week, just full of writing and spending nice time together. Yeah. How about well, yourself? It has been a very pleasant week because we're, we're just in the midst here in the UK of a, a little heat wave, which is very nice. Um, I don't like it overly hot, but it's been very sort of, what's it been, mid-20s there, about 23 to 25 degrees type been, of um, been, weather. It's been quite humid. Yeah, it's been quite very humid. humid. There's not been much breeze. Um, but our listeners probably won't be able to see us. They might be able to see it on the little snippets I put on social media. David's sexed up the podcast today. He's got a nice, uh, his shirt's open quite dangerously low. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's... Um, I would say a little movement left or right, you might see a little bit of nipple. But um, at the moment, it's just about safe. We can only safe. hope. Yes, let's see. Let's see. I'll, keep your, do, keep your eyes peeled, Rob. I'll sing. When, I, when it comes to the mailbag song, I'll sing such a song that you'll dance and maybe a nipple will pop out. <laughs> we'll test it out. Um, we'll test it I'm already dreading the What have you been up to this week? I'm like you. This unusual. We're both disciplined at the same time, but yeah, I'm I'm getting mm. a lot of words on page, which is is always um, a good thing because we are writers, essentially. Um, so I am at the halfway point of a novella, so I'm hoping to have Sophie that. Sophie Lasso, is so, it? Sophie Lasso, yes. Uh, whatever happened to Sophie Lasso? It's just a novella series that I think I've, I've spoken about on the podcast really a few times that I'm working on over the next, mm, could be a year, could be six months, could be a year. It depends um, mm. how it goes. And what else have I been doing? Oh, I'm resuscitating. So be, so I was ill a few weeks ago. We spoke about that on the podcast. And I decided in the midst of that illness, sweating and all sorts of ailments, that I really wanted to do more collaborative work this podcast mm-hmm. is great. Love working with you. Um, but I, I I have an open author, the open author website where I used to do a lot of editing. I've edited over um, 80 novels and I've worked with authors and helps them sort of get their start and stuff like that. But when my book started selling so well, uh, I literally just turned to the writing. I sort of tuned out mm-hmm. of the assisting and the service base. But um there's a lot of there's part of me that really wants to open that up again and start working with authors and uh, helping them and and doing a bit more editing because I like the collaborative style of it. So I'm I'm going to resuscitate that. I've been jotting down plans of that over the past okay. week. So that that will resuscitate over the summer at some point. So a lot of writing, a lot of progress then 
uh, behind the scenes as well. So it's, yeah, it's been a productive week. Okay, so today's talking point, Rob, we brushed upon it at the top of the show, is your Amazon sales page. Now, this is literally the page or pages that you are selling your books from. So the link that you will send in your advertisement to a book, that is your sales page. I know that sounds like Uh I'm teaching the, the alphabet to English majors, uh, <laughs> if that sounds like I'm saying something very simple, but you just don't know um, where the listener is at in terms of their career. They could be at the very start of it. So the sales page is the Amazon page that your book appears on. Yeah, so, and you've, you've um, hyped it up, I think, um, reasonably at the beginning of the episode when you said it's the single most important tool that we have. Uh, in our arsenal as in the authors is this amazon sales page and i think we are going to probably cover old ground a little bit discussing this but the points we're going to make are valid for a reason because most of the things we talk about all of it kind of comes together and links together to to hit your amazon sales page yeah that's the final step on the journey you take readers on to get them to sell right so I think it is so vital and the things we're going to talk about, if we've spoke about them before, it's because they are absolutely crucial so to, true. to having a successful indie author business. That's it. Yes. Remember, you or we are authors. We're independent authors. Mm-hmm. So we're predominantly writing. But the biggest um, component is selling our books right we we gotta sell books and the best way to sell books is to have this amazon sales page which screams to the potential reader download me now right so that's that's what we're going to talk about rob and i over the next 20 minutes how you can scream loudest to the potential reader download me now okay so rob you suggested there that we're going to talk about or we're going to cover old ground um and that's true because there are going to be elements that we talk about now that are on your sales page that we have specifically um, used as main talking points before. So, yeah. so just give the listener some ideas of what is on the sales page and why they're key. So the, the, your main pillars of your sales page is obviously your cover. Yeah, and we talked uh, about that, and that is your- huge. That's massive. And when we talk about investing um, in your indie author business, and you know, most of the time we say you have to invest, and it's usually people go, oh, I don't want to spend money on ads because I, I can't get them to work. We're also talking about your cover. You need to invest in a cover. Um, yes. You should go and listen to our episode, four or five episodes back, where we had Stuart Bache on, who's the, the voice on covers, I'd say, in the indie author world. Um, and there's loads of ways you could do it without spending loads of money. So I'm not going to get into that. No, you're not going to get into it. But I would say, let's be honest. The first thing someone's going to notice on your sales page is the book cover. So we've talked about that before. That has to be a professional sounded. The second thing they're going to notice as Rob was about to mention is the blurb. You've got the blurb. And I think Stuart Bache put it brilliantly and he even backed it up when he was working at major publishers saying um, when they did studies on how readers buy books is it's the cover that gets somebody to pick the book up. It's the blurb that gets them to take it to the till. So that's how you need. That's why we always emphasize this. When it's your Amazon page, you need to look at that as Amazon has given you a small bit of real estate on the biggest shopping website that's ever existed yeah that's ever existed there are literally millions of books on amazon that people can buy whether they're self-published or they're traditionally published and amazon have given you it doesn't cost you anything it costs you your percentage of whatever they make from your royalty right They've given you that page and they've given you the same template as everyone else, maybe apart from some of the massive, massive hitters who probably get access to stuff that they spend thousands of pounds on. I think like Jean Granger's probably alluded to a couple of doors that Amazon opened when she sold a few million books. Yeah. But but you need to look at it as you have this real estate 
this is your shop essentially on the biggest thing so why would you not get it as best as it could possibly be exactly what your mindset should be yeah so by the end of this discussion what we want you to do is to log on to your amazon sales pages of all your books and ask yourself is this screaming to the reader that they need to download this book and what can i do to turn the volume up on that screen so you got your cover as robert says you got your blurb two of the most or or they're they're, they're two biggest sales tactics really they're gonna they're gonna your book's gonna live or breed by the book cover and its blurb you've also got some social proof that you can implement in there another big sales technique and um let's not forget you've got your author page in there Mm-hmm. or a link to so all of these things need to be of professional standard so we're, we're just going to go through them now and discuss how you can highlight them or make them scream a little louder i thought i thought the the thing you said there about social proof is an important one because it doesn't just have to be the numbers the number next to the star rating underneath the title of your book now yeah. when it comes to social proof i actually think you are an absolute beast at showing your social proof to people i think it is fantastic not just the quotes you pull out but the way you present it so if i was to go on to your betsy blake i always go to your betsy blake book because if you sell that many books you know it's a winner right so what what you've amalgamated there for your betsy blake and it goes back through all the stuff again all the you sat down you wrote the book you got professionally done all this stuff when it comes to your sales page you've done all that hard graft of the the stuff behind it your yeah. sales page for that book, quality cover. I'd say the title of your book is also quite important as well. And yeah. you and I have had this discussion. Um, and I, I think it's a matter of preference for people about people like taglines on your books and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I've dabbled with them before. I don't know if I completely like seeing things saying a, a, a thriller with a twist or something like that but that's i think that's a personal preference thing yes when it comes to the social proof you've got thousands of reviews for betsy blake but then in your actual blurb your blurb is full of it as well right like yeah. you have loads of quotes in there quotes for your writing quotes for the book and then it's also worth noting out is it's not just copied and pasted in You've got it nicely formatted, like you've got bold in some bits. You've got italics as well to make it look like a quote. And this might sound so simplistic and stuff like that, but I will yeah. go through books. I'll see names on in other Facebook groups of people who are saying they're struggling to get going as indie authors. And I'll go to the Amazon sales page, and this might sound harsh. As soon as I click on the Amazon sales page, I go, yeah, of course you're not selling books. Look at the state of this page. Rob, I had one this morning. There was, there was a person, uh, an independent author in America. It was, she was nonfiction. She was giving out about Amazon advertising because she's saying, I'm getting thousands of clicks and no sales. And Amazon are, you know, uh-huh. they're taking the piss out of me by charging me for all these clicks. And it, it's not. I went onto her sales page. It's very obvious why she's not selling books. The sales page uh-huh. does nothing for the book at all. No matter, It doesn't matter whether she's driving 10,000 people to that sales page. She's not going to close sales because there's errors in her blurb Um, there's no social proof the the book cover doesn't look great it it really doesn't scream it doesn't even whisper download me now and as you say my betsy blake is a good example because that's sold hundreds of thousands of copies now but um that is screaming there's no doubt about if you look at the sales page of whatever happened to betsy blake there's no doubt that it's not a good book because it the the Mm -hmm. it, it screams that this is a good book and I made it screen. You now I have implemented that. I have yeah. played around with different copy to make sure, you know, I'm pulling out good quotes. I go, this is a good book. So I'm screaming at the reader. If if people go to the Betsy Blake sales page, if I drive readers, potential readers towards that, I have a high chance of closing them with a sale. That's because my exactly. sales page looks great. It's not because the book is brilliant. It's because the sales page looks good. Exactly. I, I, I will say that as well. I will always say that I, I really, I'm a good author because I can sit down, I can write books. I, I particularly think I'm like, I'm not very academic. And, you know, my editor, Emma, could probably talk for hours about the basic mistakes I put in there. But I don't care because yeah. that's not part of the process. I sell a lot of books. 
because everything is being constructed to sell books. It's it's the yes. horrible business side of it that people don't like because we're creatives and we're authors and all that. You know, I get it. But from a business point of view, I've driven it and I've built something that will like exactly like you have. When someone gets to the page, now it's more likely they're going to give it a go than not. Yeah. And that's the position you definitely want to be in. The next position is people are definitely going to buy it as soon as they get to the page. But I think the thing you do really well, and I do it well as well, I'm, yeah, I'm you do good it great. at this, is you need to beat your own drum. And people yeah. are way too modest or whatever. Be like, mm. the, the, the thing I hate most is when I see people say like, oh, I can't believe somebody read my book and liked it. It's like that is turn that around and be, I can't believe more people aren't reading my book. So that's why Pete, you yeah. pick out quotes that say David Lyons is a sensational writer. And, yeah. th- and that might seem egotistical, but it's not. It's you going, I've been called this. I'm going to yeah. show the and world this. And it. this needs to be on your sales page. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Anybody sending any praise your way, pick it out, slice it up. That's a pull quote. That goes at the bottom of your blurb. So, I mean, you know, there's clever ways of playing around with copy and being a good copywriter. And I know being a copywriter is a different discipline to being an author. But, you know, if I got a three-star review, Rob, right now I'm making this up, but if I got a three-star review and the reviewer thought the book was very mediocre and all this type of thing, but if she wrote, say, um, whatever happened to Betsy Blake was a fantastic plot, and it, but it failed in the blah, 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 and the characterization wasn't great. Say that that's a bit of a review. Yeah. All I'm seeing there is fantastic plot. Right, she's written there those words. This is yep. a fantastic plot. I'm taking that out. I'm taking that out. No, mm-hmm. fantastic plot. There we go. Right, that's the pull quote I'm taking. I'm not taking the characterization wasn't good. I'm taking fantastic plot. Right. So there's ways of being clever about how you use your copy and how you use um, your social proof to your own advantage. So have a think about that yep. when you get reviews. What 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 what's hailed? about you or what was hailed about the book that you can use as social proof um, for yourself. I'm just going to change the gear slightly here, Rob. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, your cover has to be good. Your blurb has to be good. Your social proof has to be good. We, we've spoken about that in detail in, in different podcasts. Um, you will also find on your author sales page, which is your own author page, right? Now, yes. this, again, has to be just as professional. So even the mm-hmm. author pick there, right? The or the profile picture, it that shouldn't be the same as your profile picture on Facebook. It shouldn't be you kissing your cat, or with your arms around okay. your four daughters. You know, th- it's a totally different thing. This your this your profile pick here should say esteemed author, or you know mm-hmm. professional author, and then even your copy. Sometimes I see copy is really bad. They they will they will open up going. Um, Jim Parsons is an author. Or Jim Parsons lives in Epsom, Kansas with his seven dogs and four cats. They are called Pupsy, Lupsy, Dupsy, Flupsy, Mupsy, and Mop. You know, and they're giving us a biography of who I, they are and where they live and what they do. But no, open up with Jim Parsons is a critically acclaimed author from Kansas. Okay, so start selling your books that way. Start selling your author career that way. Sick. Make sure that you're your author profile pick and the copy that goes under it, which should only be about three or four short paragraphs. It's selling you as a professional author. It's not selling your life or your lifestyle. No, absolutely not. So I see I, that I, as a mistake made quite often. It really is. So um, I hundred percent agree with you about that. And, and I've always made sure I've had like a, not a moody picture, but like a serious picture. Most of my social media stuff is me being a bell end. But yeah. when it comes to this, again, it's, <laughs> it's, this is a business. I am the author of this book. So I'm actually going to read you my profile because it's really brief and succinct on Amazon. Yeah, I like uh, them being brief. Sometimes people go on for paragraphs. No, nope, this is mine. So you've got my picture, quite a serious picture of me. And then it just says, Robert Enright was born in North London and resides in Buckinghamshire with his wife and daughter, working earnestly to write for a living and dreaming of the day he can get a dog. He is the author of the international best-selling Sam Pope series, as well as the Bermuda Jones series. Visit his website below and sign up for two free Sam Pope novellas. There's my website and there's all my social media. That is it. 
that's all I put in there. Yeah, succinct. Oh, that's another thing I wanted to mention. You should have links to your social media as well. And um, if you give people, if you're giving stuff away that. for free, that's what you should be saying in your profile as well, because that will get people. Because those novellas yeah. are available on Amazon, but they're not in Kindle Unlimited, so I can give them away for free. So I've said that in my profile. Yes. You can get two free Sam Pope novellas. And- I will also touch upon the author page, because obviously you've got the the sales page, which is what we're talking about. The, the way of making your author page really pop is have it filled with books. So when I say nothing sells your book yeah. more than your next book, it's... If, if the decision is coming down, am I going to buy this author or this author? Well, I'm going to buy this author because they've got 10 books and this author's only got two books. You need to fill your Amazon yeah. page. People need to see you're a prolific writer and everything is like above board and very professionally done. And nothing will do that more than having loads of books available. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I think one of the a really cool feature that I think now people should be doing if they're, if they're not doing is the A plus content. So, yes. so A plus is you've, you can get in your KDP dashboard. If you, if you don't know about this, it's um, in the marketing bit. And essentially what it is, is it's, it's an extra sales page essentially that you can fill with graphics for your book. Um, so I, 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 yeah. I had lows before that were just, like black backgrounds with pull quotes and the tagline for the book. I've now since updated that. And I yeah. think I've made mine look like movie posters almost, which is pretty cool. Like um, yeah. I have the big image of Sam Pope and it's split into three long. Um, check out my the night shift and you'll see all of them are the same as that. But you now, yeah. you now I was just going to say, if, you do, if you're not quite sure what A plus content is, content is go on to robert enright the night shift is the name of the book uh, on amazon and as you scroll down halfway through that page you'll see fantastic imagery uh, it's it's it's, all, it's like three split sort of rectangular images isn't it rob yep. which i'll play into the one image um with great uh, copywriting there robert's uh, branding fight for something and then great pull quotes uh rob was talking about me doing great pull quotes rob has them there all on his a plus and great images of the book as well so that's what a plus content is and it's an extra sales tool that yeah rob's right it should be implemented because it's 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 free to use it's free to use you can create all of them so if you go into a plus content it tells you how big the images need to be you can then go to somewhere like canva for free you can use the free platform on canva and you can make your own stuff and you should be doing it because a lot of the big publishers now use it, but they don't use it very well. I see a lot of rubbish A-plus content. Yeah. Um, so if you can make yours pop, mm-hmm. then again, it just it adds that legitimacy that we talk about where you're indistinguishable from someone who's backed by the biggest publisher in the world. Like Lee Child, for me, mm. I feel my books look indistinguishable to his. Apart from the name and the, his reputation, from a sales page perspective, yeah. it's indistinguishable. The only thing that would be different is our Absolutely. names, the names of the character. And where it says publisher, mine will say independently published. His will say whoever publishes Lee Child books. That's what you want to aim for. Yeah, that's what we want to aim for. You said a key word there, legitimacy. And if, if we if we briefly go back over everything we said, your book cover needs to be legitimate. Mm-hmm. Your blurb needs to be legitimate. Your A-plus content needs to be legitimate. Your social proof, which is, you know, quote marks or reviews or anything like that. They need to be legitimate. You need to be saying this guy or girl is a professional author who will deliver a fantastic book that you're going to want to download and you're going to love it. And there's, there's one final piece, one final um, thing, a suggestion, because this one will cost you money um, on a an ongoing basis. And that is you should be directing amazon ads to your own books and i don't just mean the sponsored ads which is obviously where someone types in a book in the search bar your book appears in the as a sponsored option for them i'm talking oh about, you're so right yeah i'm talking about the the product display ads so if you go on my book most likely at the top of it there'll be a um like a band a ribbon across the top which is an ad that someone's paid for 
I now send my books on that. So if you click on the night shift, nine times out of 10, you'll get something that says the Sam Pope series, fight for something, and then like an image of either my box set or my book. And the reason I do that is the Amazon sales page is my real estate. That's how I look at it. So if I can then dominate yeah. it even further and bang people over the head with, with the names of my book, my character, then that's what I want to do. So again, this is a tip. You're so right. It's a tip, but it's an expense. It's not. It's not massively expensive, but it's just because obviously you only pay if you get clicks. But that's an ongoing cost. So it's not one that you have to do. I would say cover, blurb, social proof, A plus content. Those are things you have to do. If you can run these uh, product display ads to your books, then I would I would recommend doing it because it just again it takes other books away from your sales page and that's what you want that's what you want yeah there's there's no point in you owning that real estate and when someone types in robert enright into the search bar on amazon the first thing they actually see is a rival book yeah. spread across the top so rob's right if if, uh, if you have got the budget to own that real estate and to pay for that real estate it's so beneficial to you to I said, why are you always using MailerLite? And I can't seem to ever get my book blurb right. And I'm having trouble with my Facebook ads. It is mailbag. It is mailbag. Craig David. Oh, yeah, writing lyrics. <laughs> writing lyrics and all now. Fuck me. <laughs> I'll, give that, I'll give that a 7 out of 10. And that's... That's been polite. To be fair, I like to Craig David uh, just in uh, normal life from time to time. It really annoys Soph. Yeah. You just speed up what you're saying. Yes. It's brilliant. Craig David and just <laughs> any lyric. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that comes to mind in the air of that She'll song. She'll go like... Um, nice. So I, I guess that means it's mailbag time, doesn't yes, it? Yes, it does indeed. It is time for the mailbag, David. And as you alluded to earlier, our question today comes from friend of the show, Dylan Jones, who has been on as a seven questions uh, guest, and he posted yes. an excellent question in the um, Two Indie Authors Facebook group. Um, Amazon seemed to be just making a few changes recently. There's obviously something going on there um, just around their terms and conditions, mm -hmm. their pricing, and then this one as well. So he's um, put in the Facebook group, what is your take on Amazon's push to get us all to recategorize our books into just three categories? Mm, yes. So, I mean, we did a whole episode. Very timely. We did a whole episode on categories and how to put them into the 10 categories that Amazon never told you about because they only give you two, but it seems like they're changing yeah. that. So, um, what's your take on it? Um, I, I did. I did very slight bit of research into it, uh, Dylan. When when it became apparent to me about ten days ago or so that this was the new way we um, had to approach categories on Amazon. So, and I found out that the the idea is to stop authors randomly hitting categories their books really shouldn't mm -hmm. be in. Um, which has frustrated me in mm -hmm. the past and it's frustrated an awful lot of independent authors that there are books in categories they shouldn't be in and it all gets a bit messy. So it, it, that's the big positive to it. I understand the negative to it is it's probably going to be harder for us to get the uh, orange tags now because there's we have to pick which niche categories we want to be in. So those specific niche ones that we, could, we knew we could get an orange tag in um when we were launched a book it, it may be a little bit more difficult now because we, we we've only got three but i like the idea of it dylan i have to say uh the only advice i would give is make sure you're you research exactly what three each of your books should be in like like have a good take some time to to really look into it and think right where can i narrow mm -hmm. down what are the three categories this book should be in yeah what about you, Rob? Have you looked into it a little more than I have? Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think um, people putting their books in the wrong categories just so they can get an orange tag, and you see it every now and then. You think, what is that book doing in here, in this in this category? But yeah. if it's going yeah, to stop that, that's, that can only be a positive. You also have to think of it as less admin <laughs> um, because before 
when you set your book up, you could only put it into two categories and then you'd have to go to Amazon and you'd have to say, can you take them out of these categories, put them into this category, yada, yada, yada. If they're giving you three yeah, categories, always they're giving you three categories from the get go and that's your limit, then it means you don't have that extra step. Um, I, I think it's a good, I actually think it's a positive move. Um, and I also think that, um to to further your point about narrowing down and figuring out which categories are best for you i think the uh, best way to do it is is amazon already show you um the top three categories you're in so if you've gone through the process that we've spoken about of picking out your 10 categories and submitting those to amazon and getting your books changed into them you then get to see the top three out of those niche categories you've got so i would then say just go with those ones because that'll be your best shot at getting your your lovely little orange bestseller tag but i think it's a positive move okay robert it is time for the seven questions and we have lined up a stellar guest for today's show all the way from Australia, mm -hmm. it's Dr. Joe Lukens, Rob, and Dr. Joe has released um, or independently published fantastic books called The Elite, In the Grandstands, and Game Plan. And here to tell us a little bit more about them is Dr. Joe herself. Dr. Joe, thank you so much for giving us your time today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's 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 a pleasure to be on the show. I've um, been a long time listener, so it's it's great to um, have the chance to be on this side of the this time side of the conversation oh not at all it's it's all our pleasure thank you so much and um, so i've given the titles of your three fantastic books now this is going to be fascinating for our listeners can you tell them or inform them what these books are about and what it is exactly that you do sure so probably it probably helps to give a little bit of context around what i've done professionally so my background is actually in psychology so i've been a performance psychologist uh, for a long time, 28 years to be precise. Um, and my particular area or niche area is in sports psychology. So I'm, I'm in Australia. I'm, for those who know the map of Australia, if you look to wow. the right and you go towards the top near the Barrier Reef, I'm located in a, a town called Townsville. Um, and so my career has been spent working with elite performers, helping uh -huh. them to develop a high performance mindset to help them to get closer to their goals. So I work with sporting teams. I work with individual athletes. I've worked across the national stage and particularly, um, actually, I, I wasn't too far from you about, about six months ago because I came across for the World Cup uh, for rugby league. So that's, I guess, professionally the space that I've ah. worked in. I have an academic position as well. So I'm a, I'm a nonfiction writer, um, probably as the titles might have suggested. So the, the Elite was the first book that I wrote and I started that journey in about 2018 and that was really about me trying to translate some of the lessons of high performance for anyone because, you know, you don't have to be an elite athlete to think like one. So that's kind of the, the, what motivated that and that came at a particular point in my career where I was ready for a change. Um, my second book, In the Grandstands, came about during COVID um, and that was an opportunity for me to kind of get stuck into some writing as the world shut down around us. And that was really designed to help parents. It, I guess it was a mm. little bit of a companion guide for par parents navigating that sports space with their kids. Like over the years, parents have had so many questions for me about how can they help their children perform in sport without getting in the way. So that that's what that was designed to do. And then the game plan came out last year and that's really uh it's a, it's an interactive journal if you like i've i used all that i learned during COVID. i've embedded qr codes with videos and all sorts of things about some of the five key predictors of what we know high performance to be so that's that's where the the books have taken their pathway so far i also this year released what i did was i combined and it might be interesting for some listeners who, who are interested to combine some of their works so i put the elite together with the game plan um in in two different formats one format for ingram spark and one format for amazon which i can talk about if there's a curiosity around that um and sure. now i'm i'm in the midst of writing book number four fantastic so do you have a title for book four or is that all under wraps at the moment 
Well, I'm ha- I'm happy to share because actually one of your one of your guests is actually assisting me with my book. So Stuart Bache is actually doing the cover for book number four. Um, ah. As we oh, all wow. do as authors, we learn along the way. So I've actually so I've actually learnt that um, you know whilst we shouldn't judge a book by its cover, we should when we're trying to sell it on Amazon. Um, so therefore. Stuart was, um, and I think I actually part of when I was, you know, how we do it, we kind of sniff people out and, and, and see what they're up to. So I must, I must actually thank you because your podcast interview with Stuart was part of what connected me with him. And so he's actually working on it now. And, and this next book is actually a straight sports psychology book, a high performance book for athletes, and it's going to be called Belief. Oh, wow. Exclusive Amazing. for the two in the authors there. I love that. And I must hit Stuart up for some commission now for passing uh, <laughs> passing you on to him. Um, well, that's a fantastic setup, Dr. Joe. I, I can't wait to get into these seven questions now to see how you have navigated uh, the in the author part of your career. Now, question number one we always start with is, are you a full-time author? But you are a full-time doctor and psychologist in this area. So the authoring is... It's a part of that career for you, right? You're not a full-time author per se. Well, do you know what? I'm so grateful that I've had the opportunity to answer these questions because it's really helped me to clarify my identity, if you like. And that sounds quite profound, I know. So I have decided that I am a (laughs) full-time author who is a part-time writer. So the I guess the way oh, that I nice. see that is that, yeah, I know. I like that. I, I thought that today. I thought, oh, I quite like that. That's Because what I actually do is um, my career's taken, a, I guess, a bit of a left turn since I started becoming an author in that I um, I was ready to to not do a lot of the work that I had been doing as a as a psychologist because obviously I'm in a town of about 200,000 people and so – Working in the field of sports psychology, lots of people are curious about it. They want assistance in that area, but they're not necessarily elite athletes. And so I was finding myself working with a really broad cross-section of, of people. So um, what, I, what I've since done is I've actually, I actually ha- had to, as part of my first book, I actually had to surrender my registration as a psychologist. So I'm actually not a psychologist anymore oh, because wow. one of my cl- – yeah, because one of my clients who is – in the in the world of rugby league, so one of the, one of the elite teams I work with is a rugby league team here in Australia. And for anyone who knows rugby league, who is who is anywhere in the world listening to your podcast, if you if you're a fan of rugby league, you know Jonathan Thurston. And so Jonathan Thurston is probably one of the elite athletes known in the sport. And he wrote the forward of my book because he was he was a client um, the whole time that he played. But you can't do that as a psychologist. So I had I, I hit this interesting. I guess uh, cross crossroad where I had to make a decision: Did I want to retain my status as a psychologist, or did I want to be an author and have Jonathan's forward in my book? So, as as you'll know from looking at the cover, I chose to um, say goodbye to psychology as a profession um, after just just shy of thirty years working in the profession. And so, um, so what I actually do, and I've, I've turned this into a long answer straight up for your first question, but essentially what. <laughs> the way that I think about it is I do work in the elite sports space. I have four key teams that I work with. Uh, three are based on the national stage here in Australia and one uh, was the PNG Orchids who we actually came across for the World Cup um, in October and November last year in the UK. And so every time I do a consult with a team or every time I work individually with an athlete, I've trained myself to walk out of that consult and think, what did I learn about that conversation? How can I share that information without disclosing the confidentiality of the person? But like, what was the key theme? What was the key message? So I was working with one of our sporting teams today. And so I've got two or three notes in my journal about what I learned. And then that will then go back into my writing. So it's kind of like research on the run, but I guess research where I get paid as well. So it's, it's, it's for me, it's a nice blend. Full-time <laughs> author, part-time writer. Fascinating. Love it. Absolutely That's... fascinating. Yeah. I, I am really, really, really fascinated to to find out some of the decisions you've made um, 
with your independent uh, author journey, um, especially in the subjects you're going in. It's fantastic. So the first question is a nice, easy one. We ask everyone, are you wide with your ebooks or are you exclusive to Amazon with them? Um, once again, I feel like a fence sitter through this whole interview. I'm actually both. Um, so I started okay. off wide without really knowing what that meant to be honest. So I didn't really know what it meant to be wide, mm -hmm. but that's how I started. And I've taken a journey maybe over the last 12 months of trying to push my books through Amazon. And literally a month ago uh -huh. with two of my titles that haven't been selling as well as I would like them to. So with the game plan and with in the grandstands as eBooks, um, I've actually just gone, um, I've, I've just gone down the pathway of um, Kindle Unlimited. So I don't actually, so I'm both, I guess. So we're going to see how that goes. Is there a 50-50 split in terms of Kindle and paperback sales? No, far more paperback. Far more paperback in your genre, yeah, which is 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 different to um, Rob and I, who 80 to 85% of our sales tend to be downloads. So that's a more pertinent question, I think, to perhaps more uh, fiction authors. Um, but we'll get under the hood then of decisions you have made in your self-publishing career. So question three of the seven questions is, can you name the one service that you use as an independent author that you could not do without? I can. And what I'm going to beg of all the listeners is that before you judge me and turn off the podcast in disgust, um, that you hear me out on this one. Um, I agonized over this. I wanted to tell you my, my one key person, my one key bit of hardware, my, my one bit, key bit of software. And today I was really reflecting on everything I was doing today. And the one thing that I cannot do without is chat GPT. Oh, interesting. Okay. I know, I know. And, and, and so hear, <laughs> hear, hear me out on this one. So, so as, as an author, as an author, I don't use it a lot, um, except that for me as a nonfiction writer, typically a nonfiction book, the one I'm writing at the moment, for example, is 12 chapters um, long. And within that, there could be anything from six to 10 subtitles within each chapter. So I know my content. I know exactly what I want to write and I write my content. Where I struggle is crafting my subtitles and crafting my chapters that are really going to hook people in and catch their attention because I know what people need. I know what my market need to, to find information out about, but I can't always articulate what they want. So when you know when you want that catchy title, and I actually I actually wrote myself a note because I thought you're going to ask me this, and I'm going to have to uh, explain myself. So, um, so for example, um, one of one of the pieces of advice that often gets given to athletes is when you make a mistake, how do you move on? And the advice that athletes are often given that is rubbish is, well, just block it out, just block yeah. it out, don't think about it. And the reality is, is that that's not how humans operate. So I've got a, I've got a section within a chapter that's about that. Now I can write the chap, that part of the chapter really easily. And I've done that where I struggle is how do I write something catchy as the subtitle and how do I save my editor mm. from having to recreate that for me? So chat GPT today came up with, and it's a work in progress, but, um, the subtitle might be the inescapable truth about ignoring thoughts, why you can't just block it out. Now, maybe I'll go with that. Maybe I don't. Um, but in my writing, I use it for that, just the titles, uh, the catchy titles that is not my skill set to craft because it saves me so much time. And that probably will, will link in um, to my answer to question seven. Um, but the other place, the reason that ChatGPT is so crucial to my work is what ChatGPT offers me, it gifts me time. And so I use ChatGPT in areas outside of my writing 
to give me the time to do my writing. So for example, I had three emails this afternoon that came in from clients that I'm doing consulting gigs for where they, you know, it was something like, you know, looking forward to seeing you on Thursday, Joe, uh, will lunch is at 1230. Will you come? Do you need it set up with your tech and blah, blah, blah. So I've got chat GPT sitting in my email. I can click on it. It basically says, do you want to, you know, do you want to agree with what they've said? Do you want to disagree? I hit agree and it crafts this beautiful email um, that's three paragraphs long and I just go, yep, and it takes a nanosecond. So chat GPT in areas outside of my writing gives me the time and space that's to do my brilliant. writing. Really impressive. That's I think it's mad. a really fascinating answer. Um, yeah. and- it's, it's something I've actually looked at as well, David, and it's something I want to bring on the show soon to talk about ChatGPT because I think it's 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 a name that is terrifying a lot of people in the author world when it really shouldn't because for all the stuff it can do, it can't fully replace it. But I had a bit of fun on it the other day um, just as a here, – here's, here's some characters, here's a rough plot, give me some ideas. And it came up – and it, it's not going to give you a book, but it's – it's certainly a place. If you want five ideas for a book, if you put in roughly what you're looking for, it could give you at least a spark in the mind that can get you going. So it's definitely worth it. And I think the way you're using it, uh, Dr. Joe, is fantastic because time is one of the biggest things you can get back, especially when we need as much time as possible. So I don't think uh, you'll be uh, chased with pitchforks for, for bringing <laughs> chat GPT to the table. <laughs> um but um, what we'll do is we'll ask, go on to question four now. And this is usually a really, really um, the key question. And it's one I'm fascinated to hear from you, especially in the areas you are and the career you've had is how do you market your books? Okay. So I have, um, I've, I've worked out that I need to have a multi-pronged approach to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, listening to the podcasts you've had with other authors, um, use many of the strategies that they talk about. So I have a newsletter list. I have, um, uh, I have my website, which has been around for a long time. Uh, I have a social media presence. So, I guess the things that are new for me or I'm trying to think what can I add for, for listeners that might be a little bit different. Um, and, and I have, as I think I said before, taken a journey with Amazon advertising probably in the last 12 months. And um, look, it's, it's nowhere near where I, I hope it will get, but it's a work in progress. Uh-huh. So I'm, 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 I'm seeing progress and I'm getting encouraged by by what can happen there. And, I, and I'm putting a lot of confidence. I'm so excited about Stuart doing my, my cover for my next books because I have a feeling I'm going to make the poor man do redo all my covers. Um, so so I'll, be, I'll be looking at that. So, so new things for me. So uh, two weeks ago, I, I started up my first Facebook group, um, which required me to be brave and do things that I don't love doing, like a Facebook Live once a week and a mm-hmm. whole range of other things. So I've got a, a new Facebook group. Um, called Winning Strategies that I'm going to see see where that takes me to. Um, the other the other two things that I do that works for me as a nonfiction writer is that I I deliver workshops. So I might find myself in front of and I'd have I'm guessing the numbers, but let's just say I find myself in front of um, maybe about seven thousand people a oh, year. Wow. Um, would sit in my workshops, you know, in different forums and so forth. So where I've got where I've gotten better at is promote promoting my books through those. Now I don't I don't necessarily walk in with a a box of books. Sometimes I do if that opportunity is there. But I've learnt to um, use a QR code at the end of my presentations, offer some sort of lead magnet, and there'll always be a link to my books. So that. That's been converting well for me. And I know that's sort of organic sales, but that's I'm doing that work anyway, so why wouldn't I be promoting it that way? So that, that's that been working well for me. And even little things like, you know, one thing I'd encourage any authors who've got paperbacks of their books. So in the boot of my car, I literally have books there. So I can be um, at the supermarket. I can be, you know, in, I guess I'm working with my warm market here, but my warm market, the, the number of times... Um, 
you know, that's led to not just individual sales, because I don't think I've mentioned, but I do quite a bit of work with the Australian Defence Force. So we have a very large military presence here in Townsville, the city that I'm in. It's the, we're either the largest or the second largest military base in the country. We have 8,000 soldiers just down the street. Um, so I present there. And so, you know, I can be, they, they will buy books 100 at a time, 200 at a time. So, so there's there's actually a revenue stream for me as a non-fiction author uh, in, in that sort of face-to-face. And it's really nice then to interact with readers. So I, I guess those are some of the things that I do. And the, the other key area that works well for me is my presence in media. So I do a lot of media work. Uh, we have a national radio station here in Australia, which is called the ABC. And, and uh-huh. uh, so they have sort of stations within regions and I've been going in every Monday morning for a 15 minute interview for the last five oh, years oh, wow. um, on different topics. Now that's not a, it's certainly not a rock up every week and go, I wrote a book. I wrote a book. Yeah. I wrote a book. Why don't you read it? But they mentioned me as an author and I've just become this established voice and and what's been really good is the announcer we have here at the moment is exceptional so we're actually actually right over the state of queensland so my my reach is big um and and what i've gotten better at is you know taking that interview putting it into it all sits in a like a it's like a podcast but it's not i mean it's my media interviews but there's 120 interviews in there so you start to create content that way so um, yeah, I found that really helpful, particularly for me, I guess, as a nonfiction writer, um, you know, I get called upon as an, as an expert and that, and that really helps to push, push what I'm doing. Yeah. We often talk about here, uh, on the two and the others podcast, uh, brand awareness, but that, that's, that's extreme brand awareness. If you're on national radio and, and getting all this great media exposure, although you're not saying buy my book you're not selling your book when you're doing these interviews just that brand awareness and and giving you that reputation of, of an expert in your field it's uh, that's absolutely fascinating dr joe um we, we'll just change gears slightly on, on the marketing uh, question five is um it goes like this what's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the outset about this self-publishing game uh, well, you did a fabulous interview on this the other week, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I wish I had known when I launched the importance of reviews. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's that's what I really wish I had known yeah. in that because initially, um, you know, probably the first thousand book, books I sold was to my warm market and, <laughs> oh dear, I didn't ask a single person for a review, not one. You know, yeah, like wow. a th- and I know that, you know, often you're close people, like if, like if mum and dad had written a review, one that, you know, it, it tweaks with the algorithm and B, they probably work out that we're related and maybe it doesn't go up anyway. But I wish that I had, I wish I had, and I was told to, you know, so the person who helped coach me through my first book said, get reviews. And I nodded my head and said, yep, okay. And then didn't, because I didn't understand how valuable that could be because particularly then when I've gone to launch a new book and gone, right, well, I want to do some advertising, but let's get some reviews up there first. I'm still getting my head around all of that journey, but I have an absolute respect now that I didn't have before for the value of value of reviews. So that's probably that one. And I think I'm about to learn how important having an amazing cover is. So, but I'm looking forward to that one. Great. Oh yeah. You're definitely going to have an amazing cover if you've got Stuart on the case. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think I think there is a journey, and there is a there's a number of steps you need to put in place to to kind of channel those reviews. But I think once you realise that what you need to do, it'll start happening, which is fantastic. Um, we're going to switch to something slightly negative now, <laughs> which is what's your biggest frustration as an indie author? Well, this was a great question for me to consider, and I don't know if I'm just being obstructionist in my answer, Um, but my author journey has been one where I do get frustrated often, but I don't get frustrated for long. So I, 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 I sat today over a cup of tea and I thought, 
what am I going to say when you ask me this? And I think what happens is the approach that's worked for me is that when I find a moment of frustration, like I real I had that dawning realization I needed to have got reviews, or I've realized that um, my Amazon categories are, you know, the history of basket weaving when it, you know, and how long have they been like that? You know, those sorts of things. What I've done yeah. is that at the moment where I go, oh, and have that moment of like I truly, I truly call it a moment of frustration because then what I do is I say to myself, well, there's a curious question in here somewhere. Like there's mm-hmm. a lesson in here for me to learn. And I guess if I get frustrated, it spins my wheels and I don't get very far. So what I love about this author journey, and I'm sure there's probably many others listening that find the same thing is like you're never going to be bored, are you? Like we're constantly learning and there's so much to, to know. Um, so I try not to hang on to the frustrations too much. I, I know that when you, the two of you did that great um, compilation podcast about all of the seven question interviews that you had and part of the discussion was on about, you know, scaling. And I guess I'm looking at that now going, I you know, I'm confident that I've written some good books here with great content that people need to read and I don't know how to get it in their hands. But that's that's not a moment of frustration for me as much as there's some curious questions in there as to, well, how... That how do I do that? How do I find the way? Because if I get caught in the frustration, I don't move forward. So I guess that's the approach that I had. And I don't know if that's just ducking and weaving and avoiding your question or whether that's maybe a helpful way for some people to think about it. Oh, the latter. Oh, the latter, yeah. Absolutely. That that's fascinating. Yeah, the mindset to that, the way your approach, your approach, and I, I would expect it considering your psycho- psychology background, but um, for, for like elite <laughs> performers. But but the approach of, and I think it's very, it's something I'm definitely try and strive for as well. Is is that not? This is a frustration. There's no way out of it. It's this is a problem I need to figure out, and the excitement of trying to figure it out, um, and that's such a good spin and i think that's one of the that's definitely the most positive answer we've ever had to the frustration question david (laughs) yeah i love it love it the negative turned into a positive um dr joe this is fascinating um i'd be really interested to get your answer well i've been fascinated by all answers so far but but this particular one which is question seven is what's the one piece of advice you would pass to our listeners about your indie author career so far yeah. So again, I thought about, I came up with about six, but I'm only going to give you one because that's all you want is just one piece of advice. And it actually goes back to my, you know, what's my, my one um, service that I couldn't do without. And this, I think this is what actually allowed me to walk in and be an author in the first place. And so what I would, what was really helpful for me, I'm not going to tell anyone else what to think, but what I was really helpful for me is when I realized that me moving forward isn't as much about what I say yes to, but it's Um, what I say no to. Right. So I had a career where, you know, I'm this this nice person that anytime someone rang my phone or contacted me and said, will you see my second cousin twice removed because they've had this situation and it's not really in your area, but they'd really like to chat to you. And I'd go, oh, yes, that's of course. So... And I don't know if it's because of my age as well. And and you can probably do the numbers if you know I've been a psychologist for 30 years. Um, but I say no a lot. And I think that what happens is that when we, when we back ourselves and say no, we open ourselves up to the possibilities of the things that we want to do. So if you're someone who says yes to a lot of stuff, um, you know, someone did it to me recently. So here's an example that impacts on my authoring career. Uh, my youngest is uh, grade 11 in high school. So we've got 18 months left to go. And someone from the uh-huh. local high school that he goes to said, Joe, will you come on the parent and citizens committee? And I said, thank you for the invitation. I'm not able to come onto the committee at this point in time. And I know that by saying that, I am not going to be at cake stalls and doing all those sorts of things. And I've just gifted myself about 50 hours of my own time. Uh So again, it's got nothing to do with authoring, but everything to do with authoring. So for me, 
what's really helped me is that <laughs> I don't know I don't know how this makes me sound as a human being, but my default answer to everything is no. So it's interesting that when the two of you approached <laughs> me about coming onto the show, and I saw the start of the I, like I, I saw the email before I read who it was from and what it was for. It's almost like my default response is no, convince me. And then I saw it was you two, and I went, oh, of course, I've been, <laughs> I've been hoping that I'd get this invitation. So, you know, but. There are, I say, I say, I now, and I don't know if that's just as a cranky, slightly middle-aged, well, I'm, I'm slightly cranky and I'm definitely middle-aged, but um, what, I, what I do now is I say no far more often than I say yes. And what that does is that, you know, I, I say no to an hour of working out a subtitle for a bit in my chapter and I let Ch- Chat GPT do it. I, I say no to the committees that aren't important to me and 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 I feel okay about doing that so I guess that's one of the things is that a lot of us say have I spent many years saying yes to so many things when saying no actually just has freed me up so you know I still do lots of things I don't know how, how that's making me sound but that's just something I I would suggest yeah. That's fascinating. I used to work with independent authors myself, Dr. Joe, and one of the biggest frustrations with working with them was they kept saying yes to things. They were doing, they were wasting so much time and putting so much energy and time into the wrong areas, and it was it was really frustrating. Uh, but that I feel like we owe you money for that last yeah. half hour that we've just spent <laughs> in your company. I feel like I've learned so much. It's absolutely fascinating. One of the most eye-opening seven questions we've had, Robert. Mm. I'm sure you'll agree. Oh, 100%. I think it's it's fascinating. Psychology and things like that is just always going to be uh, something that grabs my attention. But um, the fact that you've done it and you're doing it through this author career is is very inspiring. And your answers have been fantastic, Joe. Th- Dr. Joe, thank you so much for today. To David, another wonderful seven questions, and I think it's really fascinating. I find it really fascinating when someone comes on and they're a nonfiction author because I feel like that is yeah. a completely different world to the a fiction a fiction author, and I find it fascinating that people are doing that themselves as well. Yes, it really is, and and the thing about this is. Uh... It's the fastest growing uh-huh. area of um, in the publishing world. Uh, my wife even has her own podcast and her own service. She got offered a publishing deal when I was seeking publishing uh-huh. deals years ago, even though she wasn't writing the book. It was just because she's she's her subject is in that area that is so mm-hmm. sought after in the modern world, you know, self-help and professional self-help or even uh, mental self-help. So yeah, um, it was fascinating talking to Dr. Joe. They really, really uh, appreciated her uh, giving us her time. And yeah, just a, just a tight, uh, slightly different slant on what we normally do uh, with the seven questions, but we'd have to get more non-fiction yeah, authors 100%. on as guests, I think over 100%. time. And again, the seven question seat is open to any independent author. If you're if you are self publishing books, and that, that includes if you're a hybrid author, if you're self publishing books, we have those yeah. seven questions. We want to hear about your journey. So the sign up sheet is on our Facebook group. Get yourself over there, join the group, because we're a lovely bunch, and fill out the form and we'll get you on the show. Mm-hmm. David, what are you doing? before I speak uh-huh. to you next week. I'm right. I'm going to continue writing. I'm going to um, sit down and have a, a bit of a brainstorm about what, what the open uh-huh. author is going to be and, and what sort of services he's going to offer to the, in the community. Uh, am I meeting you next week? The week after. Week after. The week after. No, it's the week after. Oh, next week. Oh, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm going to the SBF conference next oh, week. Wow. I'm in London. Uh, and I think I'm meeting a couple yeah, it's uh, it's in London next Tuesday and Wednesday. They've got some good talking points, good uh, discussions going on that uh, I'll, I'll be interested to watch some that I might skip uh-huh. on. I might go out and walk the yeah. Thames rather than sit there because they won't necessarily relate to me. But there's a few that look good. And I think I'm meeting uh, a couple of the listeners 
uh, down there. There's been a post put out, and I think I'm going to meet a couple of them for lunch. So that's I'm looking forward to that. But it's two days out yeah, of the desk, exactly. Yeah, if you know what I mean. But um, because I've been seeking the collaborative nature and and not being as isolated as I sort of tuned myself into over the past three years, I'm looking forward to it. What about you? You're not making SPF this year. You're gonna you're gonna be strapped to the laptop over the next week my deadline is looming now and i want to get the deadline there's a load of reasons why obviously another book out but it also equals another box set out and then i've also started hyping up i'm moving into another series so i'm kind of chomping at the bit to tackle something different but yeah i just head down get my writing done who knows maybe i'll gate crash the evening of spf like like one of the wedding crashes (laughs) How how far are you from London, from the centre of London? Uh, twenty five minute train, fast train into Marlebone. Ah, Jesus! Yeah, we'll come to pop, pop down for the drink. Pop down. Yeah, I'll see for if a I drink. can like weasel my way onto and, the boat uh, and, and see what's going on. <laughs> Brilliant. Yes. So yeah, we might see each other then on, on next Tuesday night. Yeah, Sounds interesting. We'll see. We'll see how mischievous I'm feeling. Um, but. Right, well, we'll 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 fill the listeners in then when when we record episode thirty six next week. Stand,